This is Todd Haberkorn, Mr. Spock on Star Trek Continues, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Let's get ready to podcast! We'll show the side of the Alpha Quadrant and your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode 95. We are almost to our landmark 100th episode, and we, uh, it, it, we're we still in shock. And when I say we, I do, of course, mean my co-host. He, um, you know, I've, he's been my friend for 20, 20 years or so, and I once dropped his Starship Enterprise, and if I could see that thing now... I would put it in a trebuchet and launch it into the next county. So um, he's he's the wonderful and lovely Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Hi. What's what's different than when you dropped it twenty years ago by launching it in a in whatever it is that you just called it? Because I can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to pick a word on purpose that you could not say. A tree bucket. There you go. Uh, no. Glad to be here. Let's. I'm not even going to worry about my vocabulary. Because it's episode 95, and I'm better with numbers. <laughs> well, that that remains to be seen, sir. Um, Dan, 95, 100 on the horizon. Ooh, it's coming quick, isn't it, man? It really is. And, uh, Dan, we happen to have a special guest geek tonight, somebody we're actually going to hear more from in our 100th episode. But uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us who it is? Yeah, we got a uh, special guest geek, as you like to say, as Larry King likes to say, for the full hour. So uh, we want to uh, welcome uh, one of the producers of Star Trek Continues. He is our great friend, Casey Shasky. And in addition to being a producer of STC, I think he's got the distinction of being the only person to ever be vaporized by a hand phaser on Star Trek Continues. Uh, nice job, Casey. <laughs> welcome aboard to the Trek Geeks podcast, man. Well, thanks, guys. I'm loving being here. And yeah, I die well. <laughs> you do. <laughs> You and really hit with no emotion because you were a Vulcan. I was Vulcan, a mute mirror universe Vulcan. So how can it get better than that? It could only get better if Dan were mute. Wow. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. This is to what it's going to be like the whole show. I have to put up with him for the full hour every episode. <laughs> so Casey, having you is a treat. Uh, I, well, I, I can feel your pain. So, so we'll just spread it. We'll spread the wealth today. And we'll enjoy it and we'll embrace it. Share your pain with me and gain strength from the sharing, a wise man once said. I like it. I like it. Dan, if you're still there and you haven't you know, hung up and discussed, would you mind regaling our listeners with the contact info? I would be happy to, as always, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. And now on Instagram, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at podcast at trekgeeks.com. 
or leave us a voicemail at 508-784-1701 or online at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. As always, you can also join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. There's always great discussion, lots of great people. We just welcomed Lou from Fansets, who we are big supporters of. He just joined this week. And as always, you get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast as a member of Camp Kittimer. Uh, to join the group, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And one of our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, or Dan, will let you write in to join in on all the fun. And since we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, I'm just going to say it quick. If you say it, we're going to use it. Back to you, Bill. Wow. That was clear, <laughs> concise, and to the point. Boom. There is a first time for everything. Thank you, Dan. It's because we got a good guest on the show tonight. Well, I oh. wish we had a good co-host. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> you guys love each other so much. We do, though. That's really the thing. I mean, Just I couldn't stop. do this without him, and he definitely can't do it without me because he doesn't know how to edit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from our great friends at treknews.net. <laughs> when did we get the budget for Michael Winslow? This is great. <laughs> it is, of course, time for the news from treknews.net from our friends at treknews.net. And Dan, you may not know it, but they're online. At treknews.net. Dan, up first, it's an update on the Deep Space Nine dock, my friend. Yeah, we are happy to report this every week that the DS9 dock fundraiser is going on. What we left behind, uh, as of right now, as we record on March 5th in the evening on the East Coast, they have raised, drumroll please, $482,000. Their third stretch goal has been achieved. And as a result, the uh, documentary will now also include additional roundtable interviews with DS9 crew members and fans. Uh, and there is now a new free bonus item for anyone who has contributed a certain dollar amount or higher. And that is a free streaming copy of the soundtrack of the documentary. So that is very, very cool. So they are $18,000 away from reaching their highest plateau of fundraising. And if they reach that in the last five days of the fundraising event... We're going to get something kind of special, don't you think, Bill? I think it's I think it's phenomenal. I'm really excited to see all this love for Deep Space Nine. As many people know, it's it's Dan's and my you know go to trek of sorts. Um, I just I I'm really stunned because I honestly didn't think it was going to earn this much money. Casey, uh, you know you've seen a lot of crowdfunding campaigns. Did you expect this campaign to do this well? You know, I wasn't sure how things were going to go with them. Uh, I- as we can all see right now that their, their audience is, is rabid for more stuff. I love DS9. Um, but honestly, with everything that has gone on relatively recently with crowdfunding, I wasn't sure how things were going to go for them. Um, but obviously they, they know what they're doing. They're, they're keeping their promises. They're, they're being trusted. And I think rightfully so with everyone's money. And man, I'm looking forward to this documentary. So bad. 
Oh, we are too. I think that it helps that, you know, for the love of Spock was such a great success and Mm -hmm. some of the other things that 455 has done, like the uh, Shatner's Chaos on the Bridge, which was all right. You know, it was, it was, eh, it was a Shatner doc. You see, that seems to be his cottage industry these days, but um, I'm really excited by this. Um, One of the byproducts, gentlemen, is that um, through what we left behind, we may get a little glimpse of Deep Space Nine and High Def. Isn't that right, Dan? Yeah, uh, if that final stretch of 500,000 is achieved, which personally I think will in the next five days, I got my fingers crossed, we are going to see the possibility of some Deep Space Nine in high definition, which is is just something that we have been just dying for over the years. Um, so there are going to be some specific scenes that they are going to H, uh, to turn into HD. Um, I also believe that Doug Drexler is involved in getting some uh, original uh, – negatives so that he can do some work with uh with some of the battle scenes of course we want to see the whole thing redone in hd but if we get a little glimpse of what they can do it's going to be awesome and if if we get that final stretch goal of five we we're going to get to see some of that this is this is really exciting i mean i all but gave up hope that we'd ever see deep space nine on blu-ray um and i don't know i i keep holding out just the tiniest sliver that that maybe something like this will help somebody go oh i know it's going to cost a lot of money i know that you know none of the shots are are available to convert they'd have to recreate everything i get that but uh i i guess i still hope you know what i mean i think what i what's great about the the fundraising that's going on for this documentary is maybe it'll open some of the eyes over at cbs and saying look at the fan base look at the money they're pouring into this we know that they're going to buy the hd version so let's spend the money and do it because you know, damn it we're going to buy those hd versions i can guarantee you that I, I know I would. Oh, yeah. I know Casey would. I'd even oh, spend Casey money. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be the first time you've done that, so I say, why <laughs> stop now? <laughs> See, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Casey. Um, I guess there was an update earlier this week that I saw on Facebook that um, uh, apparently Avery Brooks is not involved because he just didn't want to be part of another Talking Heads documentary. Hmm. And they were still trying to find a way to maybe get him to be involved. So, I mean, that update is nice. Um, it still makes me wish that he were part of it in some sense. Yes. Um, yeah. Or that we would see him somewhere doing something because it's been a while. I agree. Yeah. We um, we were in Boston when we were going to originally uh, see and meet him. And that was a couple of years ago. And then we were going to see him in Vegas and he didn't he wasn't there either. So I've never seen him live. Uh, you have, Bill. Um, I'm not sure if you have, Casey, but it's something that I will always want to see at some point. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him live, and it's it's definitely it's like oh I'd love to to see him involved in this because you know I it's it's when I first saw him it's like oh that's not Spencer for hires Hawk mm. right and then and then he toughened up you know at the look a couple seasons in and you're like yeah this is this is the the rough and tough great actor that we've seen before woo. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. You know, I actually did get to meet him twice. And both times it was at the last STLV that was at the Hilton. And the first time I encountered Mr. Brooks, I might have been overserved. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was technically above the legal limit for alcohol consumption. And I um I may have seen him across the lobby at the Hilton. <laughs> You and, bum rushed him, didn't you? No, no, I didn't. I promise you. I didn't. 
but from a, a a safe distance that you know would not elicit a restraining order, I may have screamed at the top of my lungs, "Mr. Brooks!" <laughs> and walking by, he put up his hand and said, "My man," <laughs> and kept walking. Nice. There you go. There you the go, next man. day, the next day, I got his autograph at the con, and I said, "Hey, by the way, I'm the guy who." You know, was maybe a little drunk last night. And he just, the biggest smile came across his face and he thought that was the funniest thing ever. And he's like, it's all good. It's all good. You're having fun, right? I said, yeah. He goes, then that's all you need to worry about. Nice. So it was, it was a great interaction. I, you know, I felt kind of like a jerk for, you know, calling him out while I was hammered. Um, <laughs> but it, I was younger then. What can I say? <laughs> Hasn't changed. Still a jerk. <laughs> wow. God. Oh. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> moving along. Um, Casey, you're a big fan of beer, and I'm a big fan of beer. And I know Dan likes his fruity drinks. But, um, <laughs> but it looks like, Dan, we could be enjoying a new brew while recording this podcast in the near future, or at least I will be. I will be as well. I will be more than happy to try a new Star Trek-themed porter called Kapla. It will be a Klingon Imperial Porter. Uh, as another way to celebrate uh, Star Trek, uh, New York Smaltz Brewing is set to unveil three new beers in 2017. And the first one will be the Star Trek Klingon Imperial Porter Kapla. Uh, or is it Kapla? It's just Klingon Imperial Porter. I guess Kapla is just to, just to put a little exclamation point on it. So, uh, we will be seeing that sometime soon. I, we don't have a release date, but, uh, hopefully it'll be up here in the Northeast because I definitely want to try it. <laughs> We tried some of their other beers when we were at STLV. Mm-hmm. Um, we happened to be at lunch with Brandon Shamutala from uh, Trek FM and with um, uh, Andy. Andy Farber. That's yes. right, from uh, the composer from Star Trek Continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came up to our table, and you know, they, we were trying the beers, and they were actually really good. Yeah, so they I'm were. Looking forward to this one. I actually enjoyed a beer. I, I know it's <laughs> really kind of amazing. <laughs> when when is this beer coming out? There's no uh, there's no official release date, and the information from checknews.net and from where I've been able to check around, uh, just know that it's going to be coming out soon, and there will be two other ones throughout the year that have not been announced yet, so we'll be keeping an eye out for those. Excellent. I imagine that we may see them at STLV again for those who are going. Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Anyway, we move on. And Dan, lastly in news, we would be really terrible people if we didn't stop to consider Jimmy doing on what would have been his 97th birthday on March 3rd, just the other day. Jimmy's been gone for 12 years now. He passed away in July of 2005 um, from uh, pulmonary fibrosis. And it's also very cool that a portion of his ashes were flown into space aboard the Falcon 9 rocket back in 2012. So uh, 97 years young, he would have been uh, on March 3rd. Wow. It's amazing to think that, you know, almost a century has gone by since since Jimmy was born, especially when, you know, I watch TOS quite regularly and his performance of Scotty will always be something that I, I treasure and carry with me. You know, it's I was always a huge Scotty fan as a kid and I still am. And uh, it's it really is kind of mind blowing in a sense. You know what I mean? It is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, we gather together today to consider the first season of the original Star Trek, and yet another one of our see it 
or skip it episodes. And I'm really excited to do this if I'm not just a little afraid. You afraid? Well, because it's TOS. I mean, it, was, it seems a little easier with Next Gen or DS9 or, or Voyager to go, eh, you should skip this one. But, you know, there's a certain reverence when it comes to TOS. You know what I mean? Oh, there's definitely a certain reverence, but there are also a couple clunkers. Very, very, very. <laughs> I mean, I can't say it any more plain than that. Some of them suck. <laughs> and that's wow. what we're here to talk about. <laughs> that is, I guess, what we're here to talk about. So let's review the rule. Casey, you get to be the referee and moderator. Um, you're going to lead us through. You can choose whomever goes first to determine whether they'd see it or skip it. And certainly you can also chime in with your own see it or skip it judgment you know, along the way. You can do it as often or as infrequently as you like. That's cool. Right on. You, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty good about keeping time with everything. So uh, if you just sort of shepherd us through the list, we'll, uh, we'll embarrass the hell out of you and, um, and make you wonder why you did this in the first place. <laughs> I'm already wondering why. But, hey, I'm here. Might as well do it. <laughs> <laughs> with an intro like that, how could we go wrong? That's right. That's right. The enthusiasm is just catching. All it right, really gentlemen. So we're well, going to be doing season one, TOS, yes? Yes. Yes. And I believe we are going to be doing it in order of it's airing on television, not necessarily the production number. Is that correct? That, that is correct. I believe is correct. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, guys. So here we go. We're going to start off with episode number one, The Man Trap. The Enterprise visits planet M113. Now, I know some people say 113, but 113, for a routine medical inspection of the husband-wife archaeological team stationed there. But the crew finds that the wife has been replaced by a deadly, shape-shifting creature. Dun-dun-dun. Wow. So, we'll start. Billy the Kid. See it or skip it. Ooh, I love the energy wow. you bring to this role, Casey. Great job. It wasn't the second pilot. It wasn't even the first pilot, but it was the first episode to air. So you really kind of have to see this. Plus the salt vampire, um, you know, the uh, Dr. Crater being drunk from a phaser hit. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so much going on in this episode. You just you got to see it. it. You have to see it. Dan, if, if you disagree with this, I will flog you. I don't think you have to worry about that at all, Bill. I definitely gave it a see it. It's one of my all-time favorites. I love it. Uh, I love the salt vampire. Uh, and who can't love a ricocheting phaser sound and a slow-motion drunk Dr. Dr. Crater? We both brought up the same thing. Hashtag <laughs> go Dr. Crater. So definitely see it. Nice. Right on. All right, you guys. Well, this is. I'm a little surprised, but you're you know right off the bat agreeing with each other. But we'll move on to episode two. Charlie X, while traveling aboard the Enterprise, a dangerous young man named Charlie Evans terrorizes the crew with his unusual mental powers. Daniel Boone, you begin! Wow. <laughs> well, first of all, this is the like preview of what Frodo looks like whenever he's under the influence of the ring when Charlie gives him that look with the mental powers. Um, I actually gave this a skip it. I'm not a big fan of this episode. Um I just ne – it never really rubbed me the right way. Um, I don't like the way that, you know, the crew interacts and, and you know, Janice and, and how he she's treated. Although, this is the only episode in TOS where they discuss celebrating Thanksgiving. So, I thought that was kind of cool. But I gave it a skip it. Bill. Wow. I'm really surprised at this, yeah. that you gave it a skip it. 
you know, I, I like Charlie X. It's the first godlike being episode, you know, because it seems like we get those all the time in TOS. There's this being that we don't know anything about that's stronger than us. It can squash us like a bug. But yet we're going to talk to him anyway, because that's who we are. We're, that's what we do. And this one, I think, is done well. It, it makes me wonder in hindsight now, 50 plus years later, if Charlie is a Q and not an X. You know what I mean? Uh, very nice. Yes. Interesting. You know, plus the end. I want to stay, 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 stay. How, 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 can, you, how can you hate this episode? I think you hate America instead, and this is a see it. I don't, I don't recall ever saying that I hated it, Mister Smith. I just gave it a skip it. <laughs> That's hatred in my book, Mister. <laughs> Wow. I well, since we have one on either side of this, um, uh, I, I give this a mild see it. Uh, I, I can't. I, I agree with both of you on certain aspects. Uh, the, I think the whole Charlie X, you know, is, is that a girl? Yeah. Is that a girl? <laughs> type thing. And like uh, you say, how Rand is treated isn't that great. But you get beef, Beefcake Kirk walking oh, around. Yeah, yeah it's and it's like, hey, you know, shave down, oiled up, beefcake Kirk. There you go. <laughs> hashtag beefcake Kirk. Got another hashtag. And write, that. <laughs> write those down. I already forgot the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Episode three, gentlemen, where no man has gone before. After the Enterprise attempts to cross the Great Barrier at the edge of the galaxy, crew members Gary Mitchell and Elizabeth, how do you say her last name? Daner. 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 Ah, develop godlike psychic powers which threaten the safety of the crew. Bill, take it. Got it. Yeah, this episode has just never been my favorite. And I think it's because of the whole ESP thing, which I've just never really subscribed to. Or I think the writing in this episode is kind of odd. Um, it just it doesn't click with me. It's, it feels like a pilot and just not a very good one. I'm amazed that NBC decided to pick it up with this one, honestly. So for me, this one's a skip it. Huh. Wow. Well, I'm not going to get on your case like you did the last one when I did a skip it, but I gave this one a see it, actually. Of course you um, did. It's a borderline see it. I will say that. Um, it's an early episode, and you can tell that it's an early episode. They made some mistakes in this one, let's be blunt. The whole Kirk's initial thing with the gravestone was just awful in terms of of the rest of the series and how things uh, progressed. Um, but I enjoy it more than Charlie X, so I gave it a see it. I enjoy it more than Charlie X. <laughs> and I like his his eyes when they, you know, get all glowy and oh, silver. silver eyes. Like gorny, yeah. gorn eyes, kind of. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Bill, oh, you're yeah. a jerk, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He's here all night, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Uh, well, we're gonna I'm gonna move us on to episode four. Cause, you know, the naked time. A strange, intoxicating infection, which lowers the crew's emotional inhibitions, spreads throughout the enterprise. As the madness spreads, the ship is endangered. Mr. Dan. I think this is a great episode. This is a definite see it for me. It's just it's just awesome. You got shirtless Sulu. You got men committing suicide with butter, butter knives that don't actually cause a real wound. And why is McCoy constantly dabbing his forehead after the autopsy? Because it really didn't take that much to look into how he died. 
but uh, it's definitely a see it anyway. It's a great episode. I, I have to agree with you. This episode's fun and it's tense and there's a lot going on. The actors get to show different sides of these characters so early on in the series. And I think it works amazingly well. So um, this is absolutely a see it. Um, and uh, the Enterprise spiraling toward side 2000. Who, who doesn't love that? So There you go. And, and you get shower curtain suits on a frozen planet. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Like, oh, yes, that would protect you in a, in a harsh environment. Of course it oh, would. And can I just say, the funniest part about this episode is, okay, you're on, a, you're on a planet and you're wearing a special suit so that you don't catch anything, but let me just take my glove off to, like, rub my nose, and then I'll put my glove back on. <laughs> After I put it on a frozen surface on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, not best thinking going on there. Well, then we move on to episode five, gentlemen, The Enemy Within. While beaming up from planet Alpha 177, because I guess there's 176 other planets named Alpha, (laughs) a transporter accident splits Captain Kirk into two beings, one good who's weak and indecisive, and one evil who's overly aggressive and domineering. So, Dan. Ooh, I get to go in first again. I know we're just mixing things up, man. <laughs> um, another see it for me. I love the enemy within. Um, it's a very interesting idea, splitting two people in half, one good, one evil. It kind of is similar to what we see later um, with what the Vidians did to uh, Bolana Torres in the episode Faces. Uh, continuity errors aside with with Kirk scratch being on the wrong side of his face. This is a fun episode for me. And Shatner obviously has fun with it. Um, also comes some cool stuff about this episode is that it's the first Vulcan nerve pinch you ever see. Uh, but I guess my one question is, did they not have any caves down on that planet that maybe the landing party could have gone and hid in so that they weren't out in the middle of a freezing below zero temperature place? There's caves in every other episode of Star Trek. Ex- yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I, thank you. Mm-hmm. Is, is that it? Are you done? I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> I fell asleep there for a minute. So sorry. I can sum this episode up in three words. Are you ready? Give me the brandy. Plus, you got Spock's dog. So you have to see this. It's <laughs> Spock's dog. It's fantastic. Well, yeah. All I can think of when I see that is the five-year mission song, Spock's dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I sing it in my head whenever I watch this episode now, whether that's that's good news or bad. But uh, you know this this episode is is fantastic. Shatner just he he kills it. You know yes. he's he plays both halves of Kirk so well, and then just seeing him hug himself is something I can imagine him doing in real life. So um, <laughs> yeah, you got to see it. I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on. Oh my gosh. Then we head off to episode six, Mud's Women. Oh, wow. Okay, we already know one one seat or skip it decision. The Enterprise pursues a vessel and rescues its occupants. Harry Mudd and three incredibly beautiful women. But not is all as it seems. Bill Walton. You. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Walton. Oh, my God. Um, I, I have to come out and say I don't like any of the Harry Mudd episodes. This one is better than the others. But it's still just not a favorite of mine. So, I uh, uh, um, here, here's my meh for for the, for the theater. Skip it. It's Mud's women. Uh, skip it. Okay. Well, yeah. I uh, as accidentally gave a little spoiler a second ago. This is a definite skip it for me. 
Uh, I may have given a see it to the animated series Harry Mudd episode, but believe me, that's the only one I will ever give a see it rating because I am not a fan of Harry Mudd at all. I don't like the story. Case closed. Skip it. Move along. Boom. There you go. Skip it. I concur. I mean, I look at this and I go, wow, it's a, a story about drugs and prostitution and Harry Mudd's a pimp. Um, hmm. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, then I'm we glad we've on. got such evolved sensibilities. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, episode seven. What are little girls made of? Hmm. In search of Nurse Chapel's fiance, Roger Corby, the Enterprise visits the icy planet. Okay. XO3? Yes. <laughs> so there's two call. other XOs, right? Yes. Just, this would okay. be the third planet in the XO system. Oh, my goodness. Where Corby has discovered an ancient machine which allows him to duplicate any living person with an android replacement. Danielson! I will always stop and watch this episode if I'm flipping through channels and it's on. It is an absolute see it for me. This is the only real chapel story for the entire series. And I think Ruck is amazing. I mean, that is the equation. Existence. Survival must cancel out programming. See it. Uh, okay. Now that my ears are, are done bleeding. Well, mine bleed um, every week, pal. Wow. <laughs> um, this episode freaked me out as a kid, I have to say, but I st- and I still enjoy it today. Ted Cassidy is a treat in everything he's in, and I'm sorry, Dan, but the one thing you missed were these two words, Sherry Jackson. Yes. Oh, yeah. This, yes, this absolutely is a see it 100% of the time. Um, Sh- Sherry Jackson, thank you. I rest my case. Okay. Wow, case there you go. Absolutely. Gentlemen, episode eight, Mary... After discovering what appears to be a duplicate of the planet Earth, Captain Kirk and his landing party find a population ravaged by a strange disease, which only children appear to have survived. Dan, Bill, fight! Bill, go. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're an Iron Chef. (laughs) Um, Please bonk, bonk me on the head and put me out of my freaking misery. I, uh... I, I hate this episode. I've always hated this episode. I I, I can't uh, I can't even put it into words adequately is how much this episode makes me want to hurl. And luckily, <laughs> it'll be the the subject of a future supplemental episode here on the Truck Geeks podcast. But oh. um, you should skip it until we do that. Ah, oh, very nice, nice cover there, man. Uh, yeah, I, I gave this one a skip it too. I mean, this. This may be the worst episode of TOS, and I don't want to give a spoiler, but uh, – and the children shall lead may beat it out, maybe, but I'm telling you, man, you can't freaking haul this mess into the waste extraction unit fast enough. It is awful. Skip it. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. The, the kid episodes of TOS, mm-hmm. I don't think, really ever worked. Yep. No, they, they really don't. This – yeah. this I concur with you guys. This is a total skip it for me as well. We move on to episode number nine, Dagger of the Mind. While on a resupply mission to a rehabilitation colony for the criminally insane, the Enterprise crew discover that the chief doctor has been using a device which destroys the human mind. Mr. Bill Bixby, you are on. (laughs) Don't make me angry, Dan. You wouldn't (laughs) like me when I'm angry. I don't like you anyway. Wow. Okay. Wow, you like right into that one, man. Yeah, you did. You did. I, I don't love Dan, but I do love Dagger of the Mind. 
Uh, James Gregory is so fantastic as the bad guy, quote unquote. And this episode, come on, it has Dr. Simon Van Crazy eyes. So <laughs> this episode is a definite win. You get to see Kirk, you know, go through a mind numbing machine. You got Dr. Helen Noel. It, this, you know, bring back memories of Kirk at the Christmas party. Which I didn't even know we still had Christmas in, in the future. So uh, definitely you got to see this one. Uh, well, they have Thanksgiving in the future, so it makes sense that they might have Christmas, right? Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it, this, actually, it's funny. Um, I did give this a see it, but it's a borderline see it for me, guys. I, um, I don't know why, but the scenes in the chair with Kirk – have always bothered me way too much more than I think they should. Um, it, I guess the torture aspect of it always just kind of bothered me a little bit. But as Bill said, you have Captain Tracy Von Gelder uh, in this story, so that makes it a good thing. So great acting on his part. So I gave it a see it. It Dang. sounds like he should be from Southport with that name. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Tracy Von Gelder. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we come up to episode 10, gentlemen. The Carbomite Maneuver. The Enterprise is menaced by a gigantic alien ship whose commander condemns the crew to death, forcing Cook to Cork, Cork? I can't even speak Cork? right now. Cork, forcing Kirk to employ an unorthodox strategy to save the ship. You guys, it's a flip. And who comes up? Oh, it's Dan, double D. Yes. Oh. You know what? Um, everybody who's listened to the podcast knows this is my all-time favorite TOS episode, so it's definitely a see-it. Uh, the Baylock puppet scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid, um, but there is nothing about this episode that I don't love, so it is a see-it. Dan, before I give you my rating, I just have to know, what's the name of this episode again? The Corbomite Maneuver. Oh my god, he said it right. The Corbomite Maneuver, baby. <laughs> I, Corbomite. Oh, I thought you would have. I thought you were going to get him. <laughs> so did I. Corbomite. Um, yeah, the Corvo Might Maneuver is is must-see. Just there's no question about it. I would actually watch this one first out of order because it is Star Trek encapsulated into one neat little package. It declares what Star Trek is and what humans are at this point in our future evolution. And it's 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 almost perfect. So I would hands down see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Corbomite. I love this episode. It's, you know, all about the unknown... And fear of the unknown, facing those fears, and then you go in and you you see this little guy, and has an adult voice, and <laughs> likes to drink, and you're like, "Well, this is not at all what I expected out of this." But yeah, that that puppet scared the hell out of me when I was a kid too. And Hashtag. you have Rock doing the voice of the puppet, right? There you That's go. Right, fantastic. Hashtag babies with bars. <laughs> Hashtag babies with bars. I like it. All right, gentlemen. Now we come up to a, a two-parter, um, but I will do these as one and two. Episode 11 is The Menagerie, part one. Spock hijacks the Enterprise to take his crippled former captain, Christopher Pike, to the forbidden world of Talos Four. What do you think? Who goes first? Yeah. I think you guys should fight it out, but since you're not going to do that, I my favorite will be Bill. Oh, thank you. I'm lying. Uh, I I knew that already, but I figured I'd at least take it where I could get it. <laughs> Court my um, <laughs> um, I enjoy the menagerie as contrived as it is. It's it's kind of a clip show in a way, but it's not. But it's done so well, and it tells such a great story that I think you have to see it, if for no other reason than to sort of get this story of Christopher Pike and and. 
and Spock, because this really is elemental to who Spock is and the way he eventually relates to Kirk. So uh, I think it's a definite see it. Okay, so I'm going to give it a see it, but there are so many things that are wrong with this episode, but it's still a see it for me. The whole idea of Spock taking over the ship as easily as he did, Starfleet Communications, and then all of a sudden it's the right voice, and okay, so let's take over the ship. The whole idea of the assheads, I'm sorry, I mean the Telosians and their (laughs) powers, being able to reach across the galaxy to be able to give us some VHS uh, uh, from the past with Captain Pike. Um, That goofy young officer who loves Pike, I think it's hilarious, but it's a see it without question. It's a great episode about Spock's loyalty to the captains that he has served with. So it's a see it. Okay. So then episode 12 is part two of the menagerie where the court martial continues for Spock and, you know, detailing the events of Captain Pike's capture by the Telosians. So do you guys feel the same way as part one as part two? I'll jump in first and say, yeah, I actually consider menagerie parts one and two, one episode, even though it is technically two. Um, so I kind of group my see it as into both of them. So yes, I, I would give this one a see it as well. Uh, I give it a see it, but I don't think it's as strong as the first half. Yeah, I agree with that too. I, I think the first has a more stronger, compelling story and it leaves you with a bit of a, a cliffhanger of sorts. I just, I think it resolves it. It just doesn't, it doesn't wow you as much as the first half does, but it's definitely a see it. There you go. Well, I, you know, for the menagerie, I, I see part of this as definitely being a really good use of stuff that was shot before and, and they had it on hand and kind of of changing the cerebral cerebral pilot to a little more of an emotional story. But you're right. It, it, it for me is quite uneven of, of how things go. And maybe that's just because of using the older footage where things weren't set mm-hmm. nearly as much and ready to go. So it's an uneven, but I think it's, it's a for sure a see it. Number 13, episode Lucky 13, The Conscious of the King. Kirk suspects a Sega. Sh- see? Too many Quark. K's and S's all together. Quark! <laughs> Kirk-, <laughs> Kirk suspects a Shakespearean actor may actually be the murderous former governor of Tarsus IV, where Kirk grew up. I think we should start now with Mr. Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well... <clears throat> I actually this is this might surprise both of you. I know it's going to surprise Bill. I give this a skip it. And the, here's why. It's a very weird way that I look at this episode. I never liked it when I was younger. I always envisioned Kodos was Star Trek's version of Hitler based on what they said he did, and that always bothered me. Uh and I've always been very uncomfortable watching this episode, especially with Dr. Layton and that leather shield he has on his face as are the results of the injuries that he received when he was younger. But I do have to say that after reading the autobiography of James T. Kirk novel, which came out last year, I have a much better appreciation for this episode. So it was skip it for me for my entire life. So I'm going to vote skip it now based on that. But I do have a much greater appreciation for it than I used to. I I think that really does surprise me because I think there's a lot of good about this episode, even though it's just it's a it's a bottle show for all intents and purposes. Um I like the fact that they were painting somebody in the future that had this sort of Hitler quality and the fact that Dr. Layton had these injuries, you know, where you just weren't allowed to see part of his face, you know, brought a a sense of mystique about it. It's like, well, you know, how bad could this guy really be? 
and you find out he's even worse than you probably thought possible. I didn't mean to go all Shatner there for a second, but it just I can't help it. Um, <laughs> but this this is one of my favorite TOS episodes of all time, and it really left an impression on me as a kid. And even now, when I see it on like MeTV or on H and I, I will still stop and watch it because to me, aside from the overacting from Lenore Caridian, it is practically perfect. So this is a definite see it for me. Wow, very interesting Excellent. difference. There you go. Well, yeah, I I give this a, a see it because when I I see this whole episode of you know revenge, redemption, what would you do, what wouldn't you do, and uh, I see it as a very thinking episode yeah. for for the characters of well who who am I and what am I willing to do or not do and is it is it impulse is it just emotion is it feeling what is that plus it's it's the last rand episode mm, where we we right. really see her so it's like okay you know that character's moved on after I am this tired. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was going to do that too that's pretty good <laughs> Excellent. Okay, gentlemen, we move on to episode number 14, Balance of Terror. The Enterprise discovers a lone Romulan vessel with a cloaking device, and the two ships become locked in a cat-and-mouse battle through space. Bill Russell, you're on. Uh, Greatest basketball player in the history of professional basketball. Thank you very much. Um, I would say there's no discussion on this one. You must see it. You know, you should watch the Corbamite Maneuver first. And you should watch Balance of Terror second because they are probably the two best episodes of season one of the original series. And maybe of the original series, hands down. But um, yeah, it's just uh, not even open for debate. See this. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to echo those uh, words. Definite see it. There is nothing that anyone can ever say to me to ever make me think that this isn't one of the best episodes in Star Trek history as a whole. So there you go. There you go. Absolutely. It's it's complex. It's moody, you know. It's about horrors of war, and it, it's a for me. It's a tense episode to watch. Yeah. Very, I love and it. Just just the bigotry that you see on the bridge. Oh uh, with, yeah, uh, with Styles is just is it's it's a it's great. It's it's great acting. It's a great. Um, you know, we haven't learned in three hundred years uh, about things like this, and it's done very well with with Styles. Absolutely. Okay, gentlemen, we go from 14 to episode 15, Shore Leave. Captain Kirk orders Shore Leave for the Enterprise crew on a seemingly uninhabited planet. The landing parties begin to see strange sights and are placed in what appears to be mortal danger. Dan, what do you think about Shore Leave? You know, this episode is so stupid that I actually thought Bill might have written it. Oh, so wow. I'm going to give that a skip it, and I'm just going to turn it over to my esteemed partner. Well, so I'm esteemed, huh? Yeah, esteemed something. <laughs> yeah, a steaming yeah. pile of blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Little did I know I was on match game. Um, <laughs> I, I hate this episode with a passion, and I always have. I, I don't like the return to it in the animated series. I'm pretty sure I rated that one to skip it. Um, I don't find this whimsical at all. I find it tedious and overly campy. And I just, I don't think it works on any level. Um, uh, fin- don't get me started on Finnegan. Um, <laughs> oh, that's Jimmy Boy. That's Jimmy Boy. Hey. <laughs> really? Uh, so this is a skip it 10 times over. Uh, I, I, I hate it. Hate this. 
There you go. Other than that, I've got no strong feelings on the matter. Okay. Well, so wishy-washy about it. I guess I guess we can only move on. <laughs> but wow, I I liked this episode as a kid, and then growing up and rewatching it, you're like, you go, this is just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, no, we'll we'll move on from that episode. Episode sixteen, the Galileo Seven. Spock and a scientific party are sent to study the Mirovsky 312 Quasar aboard the shuttle Galileo. During the survey, the Galileo is forced to make an emergency landing on the planet Taurus 2, where the crew fight the planet's dangerous inhabitants. Mr. Bill. I, I love this episode because it's Spock's first real command of an away mission. And because he makes mistakes, you know, there are things that he thinks are just logical that really just don't make any sense to anybody else on the mission. And, you know, there's real danger. They've, they've got a real problem. And at the last minute, he just sort of gambles and does something rather human. So I think this is a definite see it. Very nice. Yes, I definitely give it a see it as well. This is this is a great Spock story, like Bill said, but it's also extremely campy and and fun to watch even though they're in danger the creatures are hilarious the giant spears are, are great <laughs> boma is a complete d-bag um and i gotta say i don't want to be politically incorrect but yeoman mears is so funny in this episode when they are lifting off from the planet and she jumps out of her chair and gets on all fours when they start rising. That is one of the funniest moments to me in Star Trek history for some reason. He's like, we're moving. And it's like, yeah, why don't you get back in your chair, honey? <laughs> it's just not the right thing to be doing, I think. But I gave it a see it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's an interesting direction there in the episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I yeah, I love this episode. It is the the interactions between everybody on that planet is is very interesting to watch. And like you're saying, the, the growth of Spock. Where at the end, I mean, really, he's just like, well, screw it. Let's see yep. if this ha- this if this works. And it doesn't. We'll, we'll all die. But that's we're dead fine. anyway. Yep. I'll give it a go. Excellent. Episode seventeen: The Squire of Gothos. The Enterprise discovers a rogue planet drifting through space, inhabited by an eccentric being named Trelane. Dan, what are your thoughts on this episode? Well, Casey, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I'm going to actually give this one a skip it. Uh, I'm not a fan of Trelane at all. Uh, However, Bill talked a little while ago about maybe Charlie X being a Q. It, there is a novel written. Uh, there is a novel written by Peter David where you find out that Trelane is a member of the Q continuum. So that's kind of a cool tie-in. But for this episode itself, I think he's annoying, and the story just doesn't work for me. So I gave it a skip. It. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same mindset. I actually skip this one every time I watch the original series. Uh, Trelane is just way too over the top for me, and it's like the third godlike being episode this season. So it really doesn't even seem original anymore at this point. Um, I, plus he's annoying. So (laughs) nothing against, you know, William Campbell, but I hate that character. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a skip it for me. I concur, gentlemen. It's this, this episode, it, it feels so campy sixties Batman esque to me. Yeah. And when, when William Campbell is, is then later on, you know, being a Klingon, you see him here. It's like, it's almost two completely different people. And this comes on, I go, no, we, we can move ahead to something else. Episode, Agreed. thank you. 
Episode 18, Gentlemen, Arena. The Enterprise comes under attack while investigating the near destruction of the Cestus III colony. While chasing the aliens into unexplored space, both ships are captured by the powerful Metrons, who force Kirk and the alien captain, Agorn, to a trial by combat. Mr. Bill, you're up again. Oh, the pressure. It, this episode is so classic, and it's so well done. You know, there are more seemingly godlike beings in this episode with the Metrons, but the real highlight is the combat between the Kirk and the Gorn, and not because it's good screen fighting, but because it reaches such a classic Star Trek ending. So I, you definitely have to see this one, Fake Rocks and all. Fake Rocks is right. Uh, yeah, this is a definite see it. I mean, it, it, I don't think there's any debate. Uh, this is the first episode that I remember seeing as a kid when I first started watching Star Trek uh, with my brother, and it scared the crap out of me. I would hide behind the couch in our living room whenever the Gorn was on screen because I thought he was so scary, even with his rubbery teeth. Um, but it is one of the best episodes of TOS. Um, and in my opinion, there should have been more Gorn episodes later on. I know we did see a little bit of the Gorn in Enterprise, which I didn't think was as well done. Uh, but uh, the Gorn are a great alien race, and this episode is fantastic. Beautiful. I love, yeah, I love this episode. It's, I think it, it gives you a bit of everything with the action adventure aspects of the show and the morality tale and coming up with, I, I mean, I hate snakes. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of lizards and all that. And it was like that, that creature is like, yeah, I'm, I'm freaked out right off the bat. And, <laughs> and at the end with the whole wrap of everything, I was like, that, that's a solid, wonderful episode. So we move from arena to episode 19. Tomorrow is yesterday. After accidentally traveling back in time to 1969, the Enterprise rescues U.S. Air Force Captain John Christopher from his crippled fighter jet. Dan, D-Train, Double D, it's wow. you. Wow. D-Train. <laughs> hey, that's not funny, Bill. D-Money. I, I am going to lock you up for 200 years. That ought to be just about right. That's right. This is a see it for me. I like this episode. One of the things that I like about this episode that has nothing to do with the episode is that the guy that played the sergeant who just who did that line that I just quoted actually is later seen in Happy Days as Officer Kirk. I think yeah. that was a great guy yes. and a great uh, a great thing uh, that they did in Happy Days. But I like the episode. I think it was good. I liked it. it was the first time that you saw the Enterprise not in orbit, but in the sky, not out in outer space. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I have to agree with that. You know, there's a lot to like here. The episode is a, is a bit of a stretch as far as time travel goes, but it's enjoyable. You know, it tells a great tale. It puts the crew into a, a position they didn't imagine they'd be in. You know, that's, well, we got to return this guy after all because, well, he doesn't do much, but his son, now he's a real go-getter. <laughs> <laughs> What's his son's name, Mr. Fan? Uh, Mr. Fan? Yeah. It's, uh, it's Captain Christopher's son. <laughs> it, uh, so this one's Junior. definitely a see yeah, Junior, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's a definite see it. Okay. Sean Jeffrey, by the way. Wow. You just had to sneak that in there, didn't you? He did. Yeah, that's okay. the story of his life. Corbin Got Michael. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that moves us to episode 20, Court Martial. Captain Kirk is placed on trial for negligence <laughs> after a crewman is killed during a severe iron storm. 
Oh, whichever one of you wants to go first, go ahead, because I'm going to stop listening now. I think it's <laughs> hilarious that you're laughing so hard when we're talking about a crewman being murdered, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I have no feelings. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. It's all right. Um, two words, jettison pod, tangent. That was the first thing I looked at when I sat in the captain's chair on set at Star Trek Continues. I just have to say that. Yeah. First thing I looked for. There are a couple of painful elements to this episode, but they're really, really minor. And they're like McCoy's heartbeat microphone and uh, Jamie Finney's sailor costume, which really looks stupid on that girl. Mm -hmm. Overall, there's a lot to like about this episode. and It's great, and I always enjoy it. So it's a see it for me. Nice. Uh, I also will give it a see it. I think Cogley is awesome in this episode. I love his character. I love how he likes to hold on to the past by only reading books and not using pads or whatever they're using in TOS. Um, I do find it odd, kind of in reference to what Bill was saying, that of all the controls that Kirk has to have on his chair, one of them is specifically to jettison a pod. I find <laughs> that quite funny, but I, I do remember being very excited when I saw it when I sat in the captain's chair also. But uh, with Court Martial, it's a great story, and I think it was well done by all, so a definite see it. I love this episode. I, I With Spock calling himself Vulcanian, um, I giggle at the end every time I see that microphone brought out because I just think about them with production values and them hustling every week to make what they needed for that show. Totally. And you go, you know what? I'm, I'm buying it. I'm giving them the pass here. Uh, this, the story is, is pretty wonderful. But yeah, that sailor costume always, I just like, ah, oh, come on. Next episode, episode 21. The Return of the Archons. The Enterprise discovers a planetary population controlled by a powerful being called Landru. Dan, it's your turn, my friend. Casey. Well, I, uh, Casey, I got a question. Um, Bill and I are from away. Uh, your dad can put us up, can he? Is that the weirdest line in any episode of television you've ever heard? Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's just very strange, but I'm going to give it a see it anyway, even for that dumb line. I think the red hour is hilarious and the way that everybody's throwing rocks or, or rubber rocks, excuse me, and making out in the streets and, and at the same time screaming and running around. Um, I never really liked the ending. I've never been a fan of the Landrew aspect, uh, with that computer. Um, but it, it doesn't take much away from the episode. Um, so I will, uh, give it a see it and peace and joy to you, friend. Well, okay. I know you're not talking to me. No, not um, at all. <laughs> yeah, because you're not of the body. So, so there. Um, you know, I look at this episode and, and I enjoy it on a variety of levels. To me, I, I think of this as the inspiration for the series of movies that are out uh, around this time, you know, in the sort of mid uh, 2010s to 2020s, The Purge, because it strikes me as the return of the Archons all over again with the Red Hour. Hmm. Um, this is an, a, a, this is a great sci-fi episode and not just a great Star Trek episode. And I think it's told well. So I think uh, it's a definite see it. Absolutely. And hey, we, we get a Spock punch. I mean, he throws I know. a punch <laughs> in this and it's like, wow, that, um, that's, that's kind of unexpected. Yes. Um, love this episode. Oh, okay. Next episode, 22, Space Seed. The Enterprise. <laughs> the Enterprise. <laughs> wow. Ugh. Oh my gosh. The Enterprise discovers an ancient sleeper ship, the SS Botany Bay, which carried genetically engineered passengers led by war criminal Khan Nunyan Singh. 
I, do I even have to ask you both if this is a see it or a skip it, really? Yeah, well, you are. That is your job in this episode. So yeah, really, it's why we hired you. God. Uh, oh well, <laughs> salary is weak and the benefits are non-existent. So okay, answer up. <sighs> Go ahead, Bill. Um, Botany Bay. <laughs> Botany Bay. Oh no, we've got to get out of here. Damn! Hurry! Hurry! I, I, I know it's not spacey, but I mean it's con, and I mean my license plate is con for God's sake. So um, why are we even talking about this? It's con. Damn. So, so that's a see it then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely it's, it's definitely see it. But I have a question. Yeah. Would this episode be as revered as it is? If the Wrath of Khan was never done as as a film and considered the best of the Trek movies, I mean, I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, it's a good episode, but it's like considered revered, like I said, because of I think what the Wrath of Khan did. Montalban is just amazing in this episode, and Nichelle Nichols gives one of the best overacting moments in television history, eclipsing anything William Shatner has ever done in Star Trek. It does not matter. The captain is dead. And when she kind of like is like, oh, it, it's just you, you never get tired of it because it's so bad. I think that's a good question about whether or not this would be revered as much. I I have to say, I hadn't seen Space Seed until after Wrath of Khan came out because I never seemed to hit it in syndicated reruns. So uh, maybe that's colored my perception to some degree. But when you see Montalban's performance on the small screen, it just captivates you mm-hmm. then. You know, it's it's just as good, if not even a little better, than his performance on the big screen. Right. The man, the man is smooth. He has, he is pure Corinthian leather. That guy oh, totally. is <laughs> al Cordoba. He is fantastic. I love this episode. I love uh, all of it. I love him smushing a phaser as if it's nothing, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that that guy's a serious threat. And, Smiles, everyone. Uh, Smiles. <laughs> we move along to episode 23 a taste of armegadon didn't (laughs) armegadon fight godzilla at some point (laughs) (laughs) okay now on mnr 7 so is this the seventh planet in that system Oh my be. God, are you going to do this every single time? <laughs> you know, if I'm sitting here for an hour talking with you, you can answer four of my questions. <laughs> the Enterprise finds a civilization at war with its planetary neighbor. Unable to discern any signs of battle from orbit, Captain Kirk leads a landing party to the surface where he discovers the entire war is fought by computer. Dan! Since you're so nice to me, you go first. <laughs> I love you, Casey. You're awesome. Love you right back. Stop asking stupid questions and we'll be good. Anyway, I give it a see it. Definitely a see it. Um, I think Robert Fox really needs to get a better wardrobe uh, in this episode. And I love the idea that they're called disintegration machines because that's not too subtle. Um, but it's a good episode. The idea of computers waging war is really great. And it's kind of a 23rd century version of war games. So I'm thinking the computers might be called Whopper. <laughs> no? Anyone? Is this thing on? No, I wish it weren't. Yeah, I wish it wasn't either. <laughs> hey, insult me and then I tell a bad joke and laugh at it. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a see it then, right? Sure. 
Okay, great. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've always loved this episode of the concept of the two civilizations fighting a war with computers. It's great commentary on warfare, and I think this is executed really well, even if it's another computer runs a society type thing. But um, definitely see it for me. Excellent, my friends. Okay, we go to episode 24, This Side of Paradise. Despite exposure to fatal radiation, the Federation colony on Omicron SETI-3 appears to be thriving and healthy beyond explanation. Spock's, Spock gets reacquainted with an old flame. Which one of you wants to go first? Rochambeau for it, right now. Bill. Uh, okay, that's me. <laughs> I win. I'm the big winner. That, that's me. Um, the spore plants were a little cheesy, but it's worth watching just because Spock gets to hang from a tree. And I got two more words for you, boys. Jill Ireland. Um, this episode is is fun. You know, it's 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 okay sci-fi, but it's it's by far not the worst episode of this season. So I think it's a see it. I agree with you. It's by far not the worst ep- episode of the season, but it's not the greatest of episodes. I gave it a see it, but barely a see it. And I mean, by the thinnest of spores, do I give it a see it? Um, I, it's, you know, Jill Ireland, like you said, she may be the factor that keeps it positive for me. Um, so I gave it a see it. And I think that this is the only time in TOS history that we see a completely empty bridge of the Enterprise, which is a very cool thing. Mm. I believe that's true. I I know it's true. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) I I give this a see it um, because every time I watch it and I follow the Spock storyline, when he says, you know, this is this is the first time or the only time in my life I was happy. Mm -hmm. I I just kind of go back to that, and that makes it worthwhile for me to watch that episode of. There's so much more going on with this character and backstory and dealing with whatever this character is dealing with every day that that line hits me pretty hard each time I see it. Episode 25, the devil in the dark on Janus six. I'm going back to it. You know, you know, I am all the numbers of the stupid planets. One of my pet peeves. Sorry. (laughs) The Enterprise is tasked to investigate rumors of a strange subterranean creature responsible for destruction of equipment and the death of 50 miners themselves. Daniel Day-Lewis, you're up, baby. (laughs) This is a, this is a, this is not even, it's not an argument. It's a see it episode. Definitely. Um, it's brilliant and it's a perfect example that people often fear. That which they do not know. And I think it's a great message for this episode. And just those three words, no kill I. It was brilliant writing because it's, it could mean one of two things. And I think it was done well. I think the acting was done well. And I give special props to William Shatner because I think a lot of people know his father passed away in the middle of filming this episode. And there's one particular scene uh, when the Spock and Kirk are tr- deciding whether to split up or not. That was right after he found out that his dad had passed away. Probably emotionally ripped to shreds, but he still pulled it together and did a great job in this episode. Yeah, I think this is among the best episodes of season one. I remember the first time I saw this, I was about 11 years old, and I watched it in a darkened room, and I was scared out of my mind. Um, it, this has everything that, that Star Trek should have. I agree with Dan. No Kill I, 
not only you know, it's got the the possible multiple meanings, but it's just so impactful even as a child. So definitely see it without a doubt. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as someone that that I know calls this the the pizza monster episode, <laughs> <laughs> and I go, you know, if you're if you're a little kid, yeah, that that's how you you would kind of think about it, but. The lessons that can be learned in this and, yeah, bigotry and ignorance yeah. and moving beyond that. Um, I love this episode. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we're getting close to the end of episode, uh, pardon me, of season one. We move to episode 26, Errand of Mercy. The Enterprise is ordered to protect Organia, a peaceful planet located near the Klingon border. Kirk and Spock beam to the surface to warn the Organians about the Klingons, but soon a Klingon fleet arrive, led by Kor, the new Klingon governor. Bill Belichick, you're oh, on. Uh, I will take that any day of the week. This uh, Aaron of Mercy, first occurrence of the Klingons, and it's it's the good Klingons. I mean, it's the devious Klingons. It's John Colicos, who is perhaps probably laid down the 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 perfect template for what a Klingon should be. Um, it's it's another great conflict without you know violence episode in Star Trek, and you just you simply have to see this episode. It is a see it, Dan. It is a definite see it, Bill Belichick. That was great, Casey. I love that. Um, and to echo what Bill said, John Colicos makes this episode work on every level. He is the definition of what we love about the Klingons. It's amazing that when he sat in the makeup chair for the first day of shooting this episode, he and the guy who was doing the makeup didn't have any idea what the Klingons were even supposed to look like. And they did what they did. It was awesome. Um, it's, it's easy to say that the idea of the Klingons was in its very early infancy stages with this episode, but oh, what a great beginning it was for that race. And I have nothing I, else I, to say about it. That, that, is, that is surprising, but, <laughs> uh, John Calicos, that's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. That, that guy brought it. And like you just brought up that if they don't know what the Klingons are supposed to look like, and and you're putting this together and, and out there with with no backstory and he just hits it. I love this episode. All right, gentlemen, episode 27, The Alternative Factor. While orbiting an apparently dead planet, the Enterprise seems to experience a strange moment of non-existence. Captain Kirk discovers a man named Lazarus on the planet below who claims the effect has ca- was caused by his evil duplicate from an alternate dimension. Um, either one of you can take this because I, I think I know where this one's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, uh, I'll jump in since Bill took the last one first. Um, after like 10 or maybe 11 or so, uh, wins in a row for see it, sort of like the Patriots, um, I would have to say that this is a definite skip it for me. I hate this episode. Uh, Lazarus's ship looks like it was stolen off the set of Lost in Space or Far Out Space yes. Nuts. I mean, it's just terrible. And the whole negative dimension just doesn't work for me. And to me, it's more of a we're out of money for the rest of the season. So we're going to do some real crappy stuff and just have this dumb looking set that we're going to have people fight in for what seems like hours. It just is not work. Lazarus one and the alternate Lazarus are both tool bags. So skip it. 
Yeah, I uh, that's that's put really well. I only want to punctuate that with this is one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever. <laughs> Nothing happens in this episode, and Lazarus is thoroughly uninteresting. The fact that there's two of them makes me want to scream twice as loud. I get why John Drew Barrymore didn't show up to work on this piece of crap. <laughs> yeah. It makes and the children shall lead look like high drama. <laughs> So I would say, with apologies to our friend Brandon Shamutella, it's a skip it. Abs- this is yeah, this is a huge skip it. This this whole episode is disjointed, and I think poorly acted, and with goatee and non-goatee and this and that and like you said, this this felt like they were saving up money for another episode. Yeah, and you know, it, conf- it confuses me. Every time I watch it. It's funny that you say that, Casey, because I'll be honest. Not Just recently, I realized that this was a first season episode. For whatever reason, I'd always been under the impression that this was a third season episode when they didn't have money and they were doing really cheap sets and, and just black rooms or something like that. So it's really it's really amazing that this was a first season episode as bad and as poorly done set and special effect wise as this was. Yeah, it that that's a definite just skip over to the next episode, which I think make is a well, I'll just give it to you, you guys. Probably where the budget went. Yeah, I think so. Episode twenty eight, The City on the Edge of Forever. Doctor McCoy becomes unbalanced and disappears through the Guardian of Forever, a newly discovered time portal on a remote planet and changes history. Kirk and Spock follow to the nineteen thirties where Kirk falls in love with Edith Keeler who must die in order to set the timeline straight. Bill, you're up, my friend. Thank you, sir. I um, this I, I like this episode. It's just, it's not one of my favorites. And I get that that kind of is, you know, tantamount to heresy in Star Trek fandom. It's an exceptional hour of television. It's drama that's written exceptionally well. I just don't think it's a great hour of Star Trek. However, simply from the performances that Shatner and Joan Collins put on, you have to see this because it's classic and it's 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 so well done that it's amazing. So it's a see it. Yeah, I give it a see it too. It's funny, uh, Bill, back in the day when we first started the podcast, we had John Champion from Mission Log on as a guest and we discussed this and how it's how what you said, if you don't love this episode, you're considered to be someone who is not a true Star Trek fan. And I, I've never really liked that because it's not a great Star Trek story when it when you come right down to the bottom of it, I don't think. Um so that was a great discussion that we had with John. But I do like this episode. Um but I love it more for the fact of the Guardian of Forever. I think that is an amazing piece of writing to come up with the idea of this device or this being because we really don't know if it's one or both. Um, I think it's remarkable. And for those that uh, know that I'm a big fan of the novels, check out Peter David's Mzadi because the Guardian of Forever plays a major and critical role in that novel. And I think you would love it. Um, and I personally can't even imagine what Kirk must feel like knowing what has to happen to the woman that he loves. So it's a definite see it. Um, but as Bill said, not one of my favorites. I, okay. I think it's a, I think it's a see it, especially if you want to watch Star Trek continues and I'm just going to leave it at that. Yes. There you go. Um, I see this, like you're saying, I find it a, a very intriguing story, uh, very heartfelt, thoughtful. But then I go, but this could be a story that was on 
a lot of different shows. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And you're like, okay, I, I get it, but um, I, I enjoy it, and I think for all the reasons you guys have already brought up, this this is a, a, a see it, not a skip it. All right, gentlemen, we come to the final episode of TOS Season 1, Episode 29, Operation Annihilate. The Enterprise arrives at Deneva, not one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, just the name of the planet, and, dis <laughs> and discovers that the entire planet has been infested with large, amoeba-like aliens that have attacked and killed much of the human population. Dan, you finish us off, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to uh, give this last episode of Season 1 a see it. It's not great, but it's not awful either. Who knew that Vulcans have inner eyelids just like my dogs have? So I thought that was kind of a good way to save Spock from his blindness by blindness by writing that in. Um, and I just got to say, Kirk's sister-in-law really can scream loud, really loud. Uh, so uh, the only other thing that really bothers me in this episode – well, not the only other thing, but um, – his nephew shows up later in And the Children Shall Lead, kind of. So it's kind of mm -hmm. scary that they say it had the kid play two different characters because it's so evident that it's the same actor. But it's one of those episodes that, you know, it's not great. It's not awful. Yeah, It's just eh, flying pancakes, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of how I feel about this episode. I can take or leave it. But ultimately, it's got flying pieces of fake vomit. So how could you not watch that? <laughs> vomit pancakes. You know? Vomit pancakes. <laughs> You know, you get to see Shatner playing his own brother wearing a horrible fake mustache. <laughs> um, you get no, to see that was real. He just grew up for that episode. <laughs> you get to see Sh Shatner's nephew, who's going to turn up again later on in Star Trek as a different character. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it, it's okay. It, it's, it's a fun watch. It's not a horrible end of the first season. So I'm going to call it a see it. Okay. There you go. Wow. Well, it's, it's amazing you came up with the pancakes and then the vomit because I always looked at it and go, yeah, they look like, you know, jam smothered pancakes that <laughs> literally the guy just off camera is whipping like a Frisbee at them. <laughs> and like, well, you know, it'll stick. It looks good enough. Or somebody was out in the sun too long and got a little blistery. Um, the, the dead Kirk bro, I, I find since I, you know, I like, okay, we're doing a little of a family show here, but I was always just thrown of the nephew at the end of, okay, well, he just kind of goes off and, yeah. well, that's, that's your end of the season. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll yeah, take see it you later, see nephew. It. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Good luck on your own in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's nothing out here that'll kill you. Don't worry. <laughs> so. We made it through all 29 episodes. Typically, at this point, we tally them up and give our percentages. So, Dan, um, yeah. what did you come up with, my friend? 29 episodes. That's a lot of episodes for a season, isn't it? Man, yeah. They, yeah. Really, they really just cranked them out. I mean, nowadays, with streaming episodes, if you're lucky if you get 10 episodes in a season. So, 29, you got to give them credit. Uh, of those 29, I gave 22 of them a see it thumbs up for a 75.86 percentile uh, for see it. So, you know, there are some bad ones in season one. Uh, it's not all, you know, unicorns and ice cream cones or whatever that phrase is. 75.86%. Um, Bill, what do you think? 
I uh, I think I did just one better than you, Dan. I rated 23 out of the 29 as see it for a 79.31 percentage. Got unicorns and show ponies over here, my friend. There you That's go. That's all I got to say. That's actually the highest rating we've ever given a season of Star Trek. Uh, yes, it is so far. Uh, yeah, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, since I was told I didn't have to do math to uh, host, uh, I, I have 22 of the 29 episodes to see it. All right. You and I are on the same wavelength there, son. Yeah. That's my I'd in a darkness impersonation, but Bill doesn't like that very much. It's terrible. That's why. It's terrible. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. You, you just embarrass yourself. See, that's what I tell him. And Casey, of the many things that you could embarrass yourself with, come on. Yeah, I know, right? This one. You don't need this one. All right. Casey, thank you so much for joining us and uh, keeping us honest through uh, through See It or Skip It. It's been a joy to have you here. you got to be looking forward to April 1st. Oh, absolutely. Oof. I mean, first off, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, we loved when you came down and visited with us and got to hang out for a few days and being able to... Uh, be a part of Star Trek Continues always uh, thrills me. And having you guys come down there, meeting you, and striking up a, a great friendship from that point forward uh, is it's it's special. It's important because it's as I go through life and I keep going. You know, it's it's the the people that we get to make friends with. And those relationships that we, we get to build and spend time with, because time is all we have. And uh, you guys are, are wonderful. Love hanging out with you. Love everything that you do. Well, uh, I got to say, and I'm sure that Bill uh, feels the same way, that coming down there was such a joy for us. Uh, not only because we got to be on on the Starship Enterprise when it comes down to it, but we made friendships with you and with all the cast and crew that are going to last the rest of our lives. And that's the important part of that trip. It was great hanging out with you. It was great hearing the stories. Uh, you made nicknames for us so we won't share with our listeners that <laughs> we still call ourselves every once in a while. Um, and we are thrilled that you were able to join us here tonight, man. And uh, I know that we're going to want to have you on again as long as you don't talk about the freaking planet numbers. <laughs> All right. My, my, I've aired my grievances. It's out of my system. I'll let that one go. Uh, <laughs> I'll never bring it up again <laughs> as long as you don't have another watermelon margarita. <laughs> All right, then you can talk about the planet numbers. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> but I, I, very also- much, I very much appreciate this opportunity with you guys. You know, uh, we love what you guys are doing as well. And with with this community, it's very interesting how how small it is but how big it is. And with with everybody that we run into uh, at different places, you know, I mean, I can just bring up your guys' first names and they're like, oh, yeah, we love those guys. And you put on a damn good podcast, even if you number them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. We should state this is the episode for the week of uh, March 5th, 2017. Does that make you happier? That's there. you. Thank you. (laughs) The Hinman rule, as it were. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's a nod to him and to our great friends at GNT. So. Love those people too. We do too. And uh, Casey, we're going to have you hang on as we sort of wrap it up um, and we move forward and talk about next week. But uh, Dan, before we go any further, we have to thank five-year mission because without their amazing music we wouldn't sound anywhere near as good as as people think we do we love everything they do they're creating one song for every episode of the original star trek and uh man what a job they're doing year four is something they're working on right now buddy year four that's that's gonna be 79 songs that they're gonna have eventually yeah. and you're gonna know every single one of them by heart so quickly it's not i will funny. I will. You know, we 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 love Casey. You've heard the show. We love Five Year. I love Five Year Mission. Mm-hmm. I know Bill loves Five Year Mission. But guys, you know, we love Five Year Mission so much that it, it kind of makes me want to go on a, a spiritual journey sometimes. Okay. You know, you know, their music is so powerful and it's filled with such meaning. So come with me, Bill and Casey, won't you? So that we may both experience, or that we may all experience, this vision quest to unlock the mysteries of this sacred. And respected band of brothers, Andy, Mike, Chris, Patrick, and Noah, Farcuche Moya. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> I'm tearing up, yes. but not for and the I reasons will... you think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to say, and I will, I, you know, you give credit where credit is due. I've been doing these Farcisms for a long time. This may be one of the best ones, and it's because it came from Bill. Bill said this one, and it is just so perfect. Barcuche Moya. Whenever you watch Voyager now, you're going to say it. I guarantee it. Barcuche Moya. Yeah. We've traveled lo- far from the land of Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, we, want, we want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Please download our other albums. You know, check out their music. We, we are certain you're going to become as big of fans as we are. Uh, fiveyearmission.net. Dan, coming up next week, um, we are going to talk about a Star Trek film. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I recently had the great honor of being a guest on Melodic Trek, hosted by our good friend uh, Brandon Shea Mutala over at Trek FM. Uh, and it's going to be released on March 12th for anyone who wants to take a listen over there. Um, next week, we're going to return the favor, and he is going to be here on Trek Geeks to discuss what may possibly be Bill's all-time favorite movie, and not just Star Trek, but for any genre, on Earth. So we are going to be talking Star Trek Generations, and we can't wait to get down and dirty. Uh, I was so filled with lies in the last half of that statement. Um, I, I don't mind telegraphing because I've talked about it before. I hate this movie with a passion. And I, I'm forcing myself to watch it this week. I can't wait. Case is dying over there. And we get to talk about it for over an hour, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I can't wait. Because because he loves it, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, Brandon is coming from the opposite perspective. Uh, We may have some alternative factor talking there, too, because he loves that. Um, I think it's a Canadian thing, honestly. Um, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussions, in addition to Brandon's podcast over at Trek FM, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And, of course, for all the latest news on everything Star Trek, please visit treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 95 of the Trek Geeks podcast for the week of March 5th, 2017. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut! 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 Is that it? God, just stop. Please stop. Yeah.
Corbin Mike. Hey boys, do we hey really there. have to do this with him? Wait, do you mean me or Casey? No, I, I'll let you make the determination of that question. Wow, I could <laughs> wow. just log off. I yeah. love Casey, so I'll let you uh, decide. Hi, Casey. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that took a turn. Wow, this escalated quickly. <laughs> It's ain't what you think it is, so don't worry about it. We'll just move on, and it's it's all it's all good. Yeah, how, how's, how's life in uh, L.A. ish? Um, I wouldn't know because I live near San Francisco. Oh, I saw you in L.A. All right. No, no, up in the, up in the Bay Area. Geography is not a strong suit. A, a, a one of many, obviously. Yeah. How, how does geography have anything to do with it? I didn't know. I thought he was from L.A. So how is that geography laden? I know where L.A. is in consideration to San Francisco, you big jerk. And if you were paying attention to where the rain was, you would know. What? Or, or if you oh, that's right, because it only rains in L.A. this time, and it's not raining anywhere else on the planet. You're such, can we just get going, please? I don't even want to talk to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Let's start the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's everybody drinking? I have water, but you don't want to hear from me, so I'm just no. going to mute. Good. I have a I have a pint of Pliny the Elder. Ooh, what's that? It is a uh, a double IPA from Russian River Brewery up in uh, Santa Rosa, and it's delicious. That sounds fantastic. I thought he was a character on Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's piney, piney. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this anyway. is very different. Okay, you are what a you... beer connoisseur, aren't you? I, well, I I like to try a, a bunch of different stuff, and this is really good. And they do Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger, and they only release Pliny the Younger once a year, so. Interesting. Mm-mm. Is there a difference in the aging? I think there is. I don't. I don't know the specifics. I just usually just open it up and drink it. <laughs> I, I I admire that and I applaud that wholeheartedly. <laughs> right on, Dan. What are you drinking? Not that we care. I, I got a margarita with um, a watermelon jalapeno uh, mix in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So a little sweet, a little spice. Casey, you know we can just cut you right out of this podcast, like instantly, oh, like that- cue, like whoops, gone. Well, you can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're too busy going to Seven Eleven and getting your slurpy margarita mix. <laughs> wow! Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Hashtag 7-Eleven margarita mix. There you go. 
There's the hashtag for the week. The hashtag for the week. That's it. I'm writing it down right now. Uh, Dan, you imagine having a Mountain Dew Code Red Watermelon Jalapeno Margarita from 7-Eleven? Wow. Boom. <laughs> Up all night to vomit. Yeah. You could not pay me money to drink Mountain Dew for one thing, no matter what color it is. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> All right, well, don't poke yourself in the eye with that little umbrella in there. Yeah, well, no umbrellas. Oh, okay. No umbrellas. All right. Yeah. I don't believe that for a second. I yeah. don't either. Okay. Oh, too bad we're not on camera, because then I could maybe prove it. <laughs> oh, no, you would not do this on camera. That was part of my contract. I don't want to see you, too. Wow. All wow. Right. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Escalate it quickly. I'm just gonna uh, wait for my introduction, and then we'll. <laughs> hey, try not to blow the host's ears out. <laughs> Are you kids ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right, this is the part where I start the show for real. Okay. <laughs>